0: Thank you for listening to this recent message from The Rescue Church. We pray that God will use this message to encourage, challenge, and inspire you on in your faith journey. If you'd like to learn more about The Rescue Church, please visit us online at therescuechurch.com. Well, welcome, Rescue Church. I want to say it's great having each and every one of you in all of our locations, not only to those of you gathered here in Flandreau, but also to Coleman and DeSide, Jamaica, Peoria, Illinois, also to those of you that are watching online right now on our iCampus or on Facebook Live, wherever you're joining us from, it's great to have you. Now, in all of our locations, you should have in your hands... The elements for the Lord's Supper, because at the end of my message, we're going to transition right into communion, and your campus pastors will lead you into that. But uh, I want you to just hold in your hands as I preach God's Word and as we open God's Word to John chapter 19. I want you to just hold this in your hands. These symbolic elements that represent the body and the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, because we're focusing on that tonight. Before we get into any of that though, I first need to start tonight by asking you guys to do some math. Are you ready to, to do some math or this weekend whenever you're watching this, whether it's tonight or this weekend, okay? Um, here's the math I need you to do. I need you to get a number in your head. For some of you, this is going to be a very large number, and for others, it's going to be zero. And this, this is like the game of golf. If you have a zero, that's awesome. The lower score, the better, okay? Here's the number I need you to add up. And You don't have to share it with anybody, so don't be embarrassed. I'm not going to embarrass anybody. Add up in your mind the number that it would take to pay off all of your debt right now, tonight. I'll give you a second, because some of you, I'm talking everything. I'm talking your mortgage. I'm talking student loans. I'm talking car payments. I'm talking credit card payments. Like, what is that number? Just get that in your mind. Some of you are like, I have zero, and praise God for that testimony. I think that's a great goal for everybody to have, to be at that place of life where we're completely debt-free. I'm not here tonight to talk about finances, but nowhere in Scripture does God talk about uh, debt as being a blessing. In Scripture, we see debt as being really a curse and bondage and slavery. So if you can't come up with that number relatively quickly or at least ballpark it, that's a little symptom, maybe an indicator that things in your financial house are a little out of order. If, if that's not even on your radar to go, I need this much money to be completely debt-free. I think that's a great goal for God's people to have. It's such a radical, countercultural, anti-American way to live your life, to be out of debt and to be free from the burden of debt. Okay, you got that number in your head. Now, watch this. Imagine that this week in all of our campuses... When church is done, we've got a table set up somewhere in your campus and when church is done, there's a guy sitting at that table with a checkbook and you've got that number in your head. Now I bet you're wishing you would have been a little more thorough, right? And you just have to get in line and go up to the table and tell him the number and he will write you a check and hand it to you. How many people would walk out of church completely like, blown away, just, like, feeling so rejuvenated and so much lighter, like, I have been set free from this mortgage, from these student loans, from this credit card debt, I'm free, like, that would be unimaginable, would it not, to just be set free from debt? Well, I don't have anybody sitting at a table with a checkbook this weekend in the rescue church to give you money, okay, but I've got something, honestly, that's even quite better. To offer Tonight, as we open God's word to John chapter 19, we're going to hear Jesus make a statement, not about our financial situation. We're going to hear Jesus make a statement about the debt that we owed to a holy, righteous judge that we could not repay. And we are going to hear Jesus declare over that debt, it's taken care of. I'm calling this message. It is finished simply because it comes right out of John chapter 19 what we're going to read We're going to hear Jesus declare that about our debt It is finished, but before I get into that. I'm just going to tell you honestly I think speaking to a largely Christian audience um, Here's what I believe. I think many Christians today probably many even in our church would be more excited about the financial check Then they're going to be to hear what we're getting ready to read in this message Because the message of the gospel has become so commonplace to us Almost dare I say boring Because we've just become so accustomed to what Jesus did on our behalf We've lost the marvelous, magnificent Maybe a better word is the severity of the debt that we owed before a holy God Let me just explain that for a moment According to God's word, we were born into this world, into the human race with a hardwiring from the factory towards sin and rebellion against a God who is 100% perfect and righteous and moral and his wrath will be unloaded against the sin of a rebellious mankind and that's us. And Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death. The payment, the bill that you and I owe to a holy God because of our sin is death. Not just a physical death. We're all going to experience that. It's talking about a spiritual separation from God where we cannot be in the presence of a holy, righteous God. And in, in Scripture, what we know is that that separation is an eternal separation in what the Bible calls the lake of fire. In hell, a place of complete darkness and torture and torment and, and weeping and gnashing of teeth. I mean, there's all these descriptions in the, in God's word that say this is not a price I want to pay. And yet, this gap that exists between a sinful mankind and a holy God is uncrossable. And I just need us to somewhat connect with that again, the the reality of the debt that we owe to a holy God. Because when we hear Jesus say it is finished, if we don't understand what that it is, the message isn't that big of a deal. Or if somehow we've started to believe that we're good enough, or that because of what I've been able to do for the Lord, I'm somehow closer to God than than others, like we're, we're missing the point. We're missing the marvelous truth of the gospel. So, we're going to go to John chapter 19, and I want to take us to verses 28 through 30. We're just going to look at a little snippet. But let me kind of give you some of the details that unfold up to this point. Last week, we were in John 18, and we saw Jesus standing trial before Pilate, and we saw him make these declarations from death row about who he is and why he came. But now, Jesus is getting ready to endure the most torturous, the most brutal agonizing death that could ever have been invented called crucifixion and so here's some of the details we see in the early part of john chapter 19 that jesus is flogged i promise you and i have never witnessed someone being flogged in our world today like they did back in this time so we don't even like we just read oh jesus was flogged and it goes right over our head We don't understand what that actually looked like. That's where a guy is tied to some kind of a of an object where he cannot move and he's bare-backed. And they take these this whip made of multiple strands of leather and in these strands of leather are these metal sharp shrapnel shards of, of metal and glass. And when that whip hits the human flesh, those m- pieces of metal sink in and when it's ripped away, literally it begins to just shred the flesh off of someone's back, exposing muscle, and even down to the organs. They they had a limit of 39 lashings in this because people didn't survive more than that. Like that was enough to kill somebody right there. Jesus was flogged. If you read John's account, the soldiers impaled a crown of thorns into his scalp in, in, in a form of mockery, and they went on to beat him and mock him, and we know from the other gospel accounts that they spit on him And then we see Pilate, like, if you read the text, Pilate is kind of, like, reluctant to have Jesus sentenced to death because he knows there's nothing in Jesus that's worthy of death. And so it's like Pilate was kind of hoping maybe this brutal beating would be enough to pacify this bloodthirsty crowd, and yet when he offers Jesus back, they say, we don't want him, crucify him. And the religious leaders are working this mob up into a frenzy, and they're yelling, crucify him. And so finally, probably kind of reluctantly, Pilate decides to go ahead and hand Jesus over and authorizes the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. And then part of a crucifixion at this time was Jesus had to do what, what so many others had to do who were crucified. They led him on a procession through the streets of Jerusalem carrying the very cross that he would soon be impaled upon. And they led him outside of Jerusalem to a hill called Golgotha, the place of the skull. And on that hill, they spread Jesus out on the cross and they nailed his hands and his feet to the cross and they set the cross in place and this is where we're going to pick up the story i i can't imagine see we we just get so accustomed to the story it loses its power i don't know about you i went to school in a couple rough rougher schools back in peoria and it was not uncommon to see fights break out And I don't know what it is about human nature, but people would often rush to the scene of the fight just to watch someone get hurt. And man, with me, it always caused something in my stomach, just this like sickness in my stomach. I hate watching people get hurt. I cannot imagine being in the crowd and witnessing what I'm seeing with Jesus hanging on the cross, gasping for his final breaths, much less imagine being Jesus on the cross and enduring that. We're going to pick up the story in verse 28. John writes this. He says, "'Later, knowing that everything had now been finished, and so that Scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant, and lifted it to Jesus' lips.'" When he had received the drink, Jesus said, It is finished. With that, he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. He died on the cross. It is finished. What a powerful statement. In the Greek, the word is, it's tetelestai. It's a word that was stamped on, on a bill. Like it means it is paid in full, it, it has been reconciled, this account has been settled. Tetelestai, it is finished. Jesus declared, it is finished. Kind of a fun story this past week uh, at the fire station. The guys often like to ask, what are you preaching about this week? And so without batting an eyelash, I just told him, John chapter 19, I'm calling my message, it is finished because we're looking at the part of the story where Jesus is hanging on the cross and he cries out, it is finished. And one of the guys, without missing a beat, said, what is finished? What an awesome opportunity to say the work of Jesus Christ that he came to this earth to do to go to the cross and take my sin upon his shoulders. And by the way, your sin upon his shoulders. The work was finished. His mission was accomplished, and he died. Now, I'm going to draw some applications out of this in just a moment, but before I do, I want to just do a little quick teaching for those of you that really enjoy... Studying the Bible you're gonna like this some of you maybe don't geek out on this stuff as much as others But there's here's what I want you to know. I just want to point out a couple things that are in John 19 Uh, There is so much about how Jesus was crucified and the death of Jesus There was so much Old Testament prophecy and symbolism that was fulfilled in Christ And by the way, that's true also of his birth like there's just no other story out there that even begins to compare to the story of the person of jesus christ where thousands of years earlier something was predicted or put in motion that all pointed forward to a day when jesus would come and perfectly fulfill it you say what are you talking about i'll give you three examples just from uh this scripture Did you catch the part where we were reading there about when jesus said he was thirsty And and so they soaked this sponge with this wine vinegar again. This was cruel This was not them actually helping jesus in any way But did you catch the detail about how they put that on the stalk of a hyssop plant? Now again, that's probably something that just zips right over our head, but check it out I want to take us all the way back to exodus to the story of the passover If you're familiar with it, if you're not, go read it sometime when you have a few minutes. Read through the story of the Passover where God sends his death angel throughout Egypt and he spares all of his children that the Israelites, if they sacrificed a lamb and took the blood of that lamb and painted it on the doorposts and above the the frame of their doorway, the, the, the angel of death would pass over that home, any idea what God told his people through Moses to use to brush the blood of the lamb on the side of the doorpost. Yeah, you go back and read it, it's, it's hyssop. Isn't that interesting? That's cool. I mean, it's it's like all of that's pointing forward to the day that Jesus Christ would come. I'll give you another one. If you keep reading on in John 19, you'll quickly see in the verses that follow because this was the weekend of the Passover, and and they were celebrating that, and because these self-righteous, legalistic Pharisees wanted to clear their conscience of the blood that was on their hand, they wanted this whole death of Jesus to be behind them so they could worship God in their Passover weekend, right? So they wanted to expedite the death process. I know this is kind of morbid, but it's how Jesus died, so we're going to talk about it. When you die to death of crucifixion, you literally suffocate like that's how you die you suffocate because to breathe you have to push yourself up on this nail that's going through your legs you have to push yourself up to catch a breath and then gravity takes over and you sink back down and ultimately you just physically wear out and you can't keep breathing and you die a death of suffocation so they wanted to speed up that process so guess what they would do to help speed that along Let's take the ability away for someone to use their legs to push up They would break the legs of the guy being nailed to the cross And that's exactly what they came to do and they broke the legs of one of the thieves on the side of jesus and they came to jesus And john's account says they didn't have to break his legs. Why because he was already dead Why does that matter? Let's go back to the old testament sacrificial system. If you study it you'll you'll remember where god tells his people don't bring me your lame leftovers and your sloppy seconds. Do not offer a sacrifice to a holy God of an animal that's blemished or has a broken bone. Because wouldn't that be easy to do? Like if you, were, uh, if you had a herd of animals, if you had a flock, and one of them has a broken leg, it's like, well, give that one to God, right? Like, let's get, that one's not worth anything anymore. It's gonna die anyway. And God said, no, 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 no. You bring me the best and the first. I'm a holy God. I'm worthy of that. And so in the death of the perfect spotless lamb of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, no bones were broken in his body. Isn't that a cool fulfillment of the Old Testament? And then also in John, he, he quotes an Old Testament passage where, where they, they, instead of breaking his legs, they pierced the side of Jesus with a spear. And blood and water flowed from his side Which is an indicator that his pericardium had ruptured around his heart And and people often say, Jesus probably died of a broken heart Like his heart had already ruptured But that water and the blood that came out together There's so much symbolism in that And yet it's a fulfillment of an Old Testament prophecy Thousands of years earlier Where they said they will look upon the one they've pierced man and those are just three there's so many other examples where Jesus perfectly fulfilled all of the Old Testament prophecy and all of that stuff that pointed forward to the day that he would actually come on the greatest rescue mission of all time and go to the cross and from that cross declare over our life and over our debt the check's been written I paid it in full so if you're following along with me on your notes, that's really the main thought. If you haven't caught that yet in the message, if you want to write this down, it's simply this. The main idea is that Jesus Christ has paid the debt of my sin in full. That's what we're going to celebrate in a little bit as we worship the Lord in communion, as we gather as a church this weekend around the Lord's Supper. But I want to just offer several like, applications. like How do we respond to that? How do, we, how do we respond to the Lord Jesus Christ in light of that sacrifice on our behalf? I'm going to give you three kind of broad things. Actually, one is very specific. But uh, the first one, if you want to write this down, is this. I should accept the gift of his forgiveness. Right, like that's a a really good starting point to respond to Jesus' offer of salvation as I receive it. Let me go back to that metaphor of we've got the person at the table with the checkbook. How ridiculous would it be? For you to stand up in line with your house mortgage and your student loans and your credit cards and your Furniture payments and your payments on payments and all of the payments you have in your debt and say Here's my number and he slides that check across the table and then you go. No, thanks You can keep your money. I'm gonna do this on my own I'd call you a fool Right like it's not enough that he just wrote the check you have to receive the check Does that make sense? And when it comes to the gift of eternal life and the forgiveness that Jesus makes possible on our behalf, he did all the work, but we have to receive it. We have to accept it. And I would contend this is kind of a two-part thing. I want to take this in two directions. The first one is literally that moment in my life where I trust in the name of Jesus for my salvation. And, And I want to be so clear. You can even write these words down if you want. The words are repentance and confession. This is not where you just tuck Jesus away in your back pocket as some get-out-of-hell-free card and I'll take Christianity along with every other you know, world, religion, and truth claim that I want. This is where you repent of your sin before a holy God and you confess. Confession is agreeing with God. I have sinned and I have missed your mark of perfection on so many levels in my life. And repentance is I'm turning from my sin and I'm turning back to you. And it's in that moment where we trust in the name of Jesus and we receive his forgiveness and we accept it by faith But I want to go in another direction with this because I believe i'm probably speaking to many people this weekend in our church That would say john i've done that i've i've asked christ for his forgiveness and i've accepted it praise god That's awesome. But what about this? What about those of us who've accepted christ as our savior and yet we continue to go back to the sin of our past? And just let the enemy beat us up over it. The Bible calls the devil the accuser of the brethren. Where he just sits and constantly needles us and holds our sin, our past sin in our face. And I I believe Jesus would say to some Christians tonight, listen, I've already paid the debt. It is finished. You need to embrace the freedom that is available to you through the power of my Holy Spirit. I have made it possible for you to walk free and be set free from sin. You don't wear the label from your past and the mistakes and the rebellion and the failure. I've set you free from it. And I believe that God's will would be for some of his people this weekend to walk out of the church with a weight off your shoulder far better than any financial debt that could ever be paid off where you realize once and for all it's finished Jesus said that Jesus said it is finished you can go free because I paid the bill that you could not pay here's another response I believe that since Jesus did that for me since he completely paid my sin debt in full here's another response I should respond with worship and so often, it's at least in modern day Christianity, when we hear the word worship, what do we so often think? Music, right? Like we even have, like we have a worship time in our church service, right? And so often people just think that worship equals music. Church, I'm here to tell you, worship is so much more than music. Music can be an act of worship. Singing praises to God and and giving our adoration to Him through song is absolutely one form of worship. But worship is so much more than that. Worship is where we respond to the goodness of God and and just pour back the, the worship and the adoration that is due Him. And that can look like so many things. One word that comes to mind that you should just write down on your notes is the word gratitude. Man, if someone slid you a check across the table and set you free of your financial debt, please tell me you would have it in your heart to say thank you to that person. Would you not? I hope so. I hope you'd be like, thank you. Like, What can I do to repay you? And they'd say, there's nothing. It's a gift. It's free. But there would still be this gratitude that flows out of your heart. Or... A willingness to serve that person, right? Like I would be willing if if they asked me for anything after that, I'd be like, Hey, I'll do it. Like you just paid off all my debt. You want your car washed? I'm wait, what time? Where do you want me to be? I'll wash your car. I would serve. There would be loyalty. I would be loyal to that person. If they set me free from my debt and paid it all off, Man, when we talk about Jesus and the debt that he's relieved us from, it could, we could be talking about obeying him, just giving him our obedience, submitting to his authority. We talked about that last week. We could talk about giving of our financial resources, giving of our time, our talents. And this could go in so many different directions, but please watch this. Lean into what I'm getting ready to say next. What I'm not saying is that we do all of these things for our salvation. Don't miss this. We do these things, we respond with this heart of worship to God because of our salvation. Do you see the difference? When I think that I have to do all these things in order to earn God's favor and to try really hard to be a good person and hopefully at the end of my life my good outweighs my bad, you're missing the entire message of the gospel where Jesus said, it's finished. I did the work. There's not enough good you can do. To cover all of the bad I did the work I wrote the check I cashed it I paid it in full Right? So it's not that we do these things for our salvation We do them because of our salvation And then finally, one other response That I think ought to be a natural part A a natural response To what Jesus has done for us Is simply this, if you want to write this down I should respond by sharing The good news with others I've got to believe that if we really did have somebody writing checks in all of our campuses this weekend and setting some people in the rescue church free from their financial debt, I've got to believe that Facebook would look a little different tomorrow. I've got to believe that I would be seeing some posts from our people going, You would not believe what happened at church yesterday. Some guy just wrote a check and set me free. You could not wait to get to work tomorrow for that coffee break where you're going to tell everybody, I've got the story that's going to beat every other story today. Guess what happened at church? i got to believe that if someone wrote you a check to pay off your financial debt, you'd tell some people. Why don't we do it when we have had the debt of our sin paid off in full? Why don't we... Respond more by sharing that good news. I would contend it's because we've become bored with the good news It's become far too commonplace and we've lost the ability to marvel at it So church here's what we're going to do Here's how I want to close out our service in all of our locations this weekend We're going to have a time of communion or the lord's supper the lord's table. You have the elements in your hand Here's what communion is communion is an opportunity for us as a church to do exactly that it's an opportunity for us to come back to the cross and remember and reflect on what Jesus did for us to tell him thank you, to respond with gratitude. And it's an opportunity also, Paul said, let a man examine himself. Like it's an opportunity for us to let the Holy Spirit just shine a spotlight in our heart and say, hey, um, let's talk about this area. Like there's some obedience that's not happening that needs to happen. And, and communion is just a great time to spiritually hit the reset button in our relationship with Jesus and let him deal with anything in our life. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to close in a word of prayer and then I'm going to turn it over to our campus pastors to lead through communion in whatever way they see fit. My encouragement to our church family would be this. Let's respond to this amazing gift that Jesus has made possible for us by accepting it, by worshiping him, and by going and telling some other people what he's done for us. Amen. Let's look to the Lord in a word of prayer this evening. God in heaven I thank you for this day that you've given to us. I thank you for this amazing account from scripture that we looked at where we see Jesus in his final breath. In his physical life as it's escaping him and he is about to die. He declares the mission is accomplished. The debt has been paid. And the work of salvation is finished. Lord, I pray that you would help us just connect with the magnitude of that statement. Forgive us for becoming bored with that truth to where we just see it as part of our regular landscape and we forget to marvel at how awesome of a, of a gift that has been made to us. Father, as we move into this time of communion, I just want to return thanks to you for the broken body and the shed blood of your son Jesus on the cross. There is not a single person in the sound of my voice this weekend in any of our locations, there is not a one of us that is worthy or deserving of what you've done. But Jesus, we're grateful. You are our Savior. You are our holy God who made this gift possible. Thank you for going to the cross on our behalf. We worship you now. I pray that in these next moments in all of our campuses, in this silent moment, Lord, that you would just do whatever work you need to in the hearts of your people. If there's anyone in our church this weekend that's, or maybe watching this online that has never trusted in you as their Savior from sin, I pray right now, God, that they would be making a decision for salvation. Lord, if there's areas in our heart, and I know there are because we're, we're flawed people that have issues, where you see and where you find those issues in our life, I pray that you would just deal with them in whatever way you need to deal with us, Lord. I pray that you would speak in these next few moments. You get all the praise and the honor and the glory for how you use this message in the lives of your people. Lord Jesus, we love you so much. It's in your name we pray these things. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to the Rescue Church Past Messages. To hear our messages live, head to one of our physical campuses or check out our iCampus at therescuechurch.tv.